Welcome to the Feel Good Brands podcast. Today I'm interviewing Andrew Hunt, co-founder and managing director of Aduna. Now, if you haven't heard of Aduna before, then you're in for a treat. Aduna is our brand of the month because it's one of those special companies that's out there changing the world by having an ethical business model. They champion positive social impact. Now, as you know, purposeful brands are at the heart of everything we talk about and strive for. So I'm very excited to talk to Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me today. How are you? Um, hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. And good, I'm, good. Uh, very honoured to be, um, for Adina to be included. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so first of all, to set the scene, would you like to tell us a bit about the three core Adina products? Adina specialises in healthy, delicious and nutritious products made from underutilized African superfoods like baobab, moringa and cacao, which we source directly from small producers in Africa. And our range currently includes superfood powders, Mm -hmm. energy bars and very soon a range of teas. But all of those include those three what we call super ingredients. Okay, great. Uh, Sounds very exciting about the teas. Would you like to just tell us a little bit about the health benefits, um, p- perhaps particularly to baobab and moringa, as um, perhaps those are, are less familiar to people? Yes, so um, baobab um, is a, a, a unique fruit because it's the only fruit in the world that dries naturally on the branch. Um, so when you, you harvest it, it's, um, it's already dry. So all we need to do really is to sieve that into a powder and that powder is extremely nutrient dense. Um, in parts of Africa, they call baobab trees the vitamin C tree. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. It's got six times the vitamin C of an orange, mm. twice the calcium of milk, six times the potassium of bananas. Amazing. Um, it's almost 50% fiber, half of which is soluble fiber. Um, and in fact, it was it was featured in uh, the most recent episode of the Channel 4 Superfoods program. Um, where they interviewed um, some uh, professors at Oxford Brookes University, who we've worked with, okay. um, who have found baobab to have a positive um, impact on reducing blood sugar levels and so uh, a suitable treatment for type 2 diabetes, which is obviously a, a huge health complaint in the UK. So sure, um, it's got some um, you know, serious science to back it up. Mm. Um, and um, the other thing that people always want to know is what does it taste like? Um, and the good news is it tastes like healthy sherbet. It's a kind of zingy, <laughs> citrusy, it's quite sweet, sweet sherbet flavour. Mm, mm. Yeah, kind of quite tart. It's um, it, it's um, because of the, the, the high ascorbic acid, which is the vitamin C, but it's also um, quite um, 25 grams per 100 grams of natural sugar. So it's uh, it can be used as a sort of healthy alternative to sweeten things like yogurt, porridge, muesli, etc. Absolutely. Brilliant. So the, um, the second African superfood that we've really introduced into the market here is uh, moringa, uh, moringa powder. And moringa is another uh, tree that is native to Africa and um, also to, to India and parts of Asia. Okay. Um, it's known as the miracle tree. Um, because every part of the tree can be used for different medicinal purposes. Um, and the, the pharaohs of Egypt used to um, prize the moringa tree. Um, and what we use is the leaf. So the leaf is, is harvested, it needs to be harvested before dawn um, and then washed in purified water, and then it's dried. And during the drying process, the nutrient 
um, content multiplies by uh, 10 times. Um, and we believe it is the single most nutritious food full stop. Um, and, you know, we, I, I don't kind of say that lightly. Um, mm. It's got 13 essential vitamins and minerals at source or rich source levels um, as defined by the European Food Safety Association um, per 100 grams. Um, so it's, it's almost like a kind of natural multivitamin and it's particularly high in iron um, and protein. So it's very, very useful for um, vegans, vegetarians or anyone with an iron deficiency, which is in the UK, uh, I think about a quarter of the female population. Um, so uh, to be able to get that from a, a non-meat source um, is, is uh, yeah, is, is very exciting. Yeah, it sounds very versatile. So, and you're getting a, getting a lot of bang for your buck, I guess, because it's got so much to it. Definitely. Um, and it's also got um, at um, John Hopkins University in the US, they've been doing um, some some trials on cancer prevention and cure with Moringa, which have been encouraging. Um, and so uh, it's not something that we can talk about or that we do talk about in our literature. But we have a lot of uh, we know that there's a lot of customers talking about it themselves. Um, and there seems to be some substance to it. So maybe over the next few years, we'll see some uh, some some breakthroughs in, in that direction as well. Mm, nature is amazing. Did you mention that it has to be harvested before dawn? Yes. Okay, well, um, why is that? So once you've harvested the leaves, um, they shouldn't come into contact with direct sunlight because if they do, um, then that damages the, uh, the nutrient content. So you need to harvest them um, before dawn, transport them in a, um, you know, so that they're, they're not in direct contact with, with sunlight and then process them and dry them um, all in rapid succession for, wow, a, for a high, yeah. high quality moringa powder. Mm, so quite a delicate process. Very much so, yeah. Amazing. Okay. Um, what makes Aduna different? What's the impact of Aduna? How are you serving the world? Um, so Aduna is... Um, a social business um, and that means different things to uh, different people but um, why we say that we're a social business is that at the very heart of our business is our mission um, so we're a mission driven uh, organization and that mission is to bring global consumers the vitality of Africa's natural ingredients while creating sustainable livelihoods for small producers in Africa um, and that mission is backed up by our business model, um, which is very different from um, any other competitors in our market um, because we go uh, beyond direct sourcing, which itself is, is not a, uh, a common thing to find um, in uh, you know, food brands, uh, uh, health food brands, mm. um, to the actual creation of entirely new value chains. Mm. So... Um, for example, in, in northern Ghana, um, we have created from scratch um, a value chain from one of the driest, remotest and, and poorest uh, regions of, of Ghana um, and West Africa, um, where we started work working with three communities to harvest, um, collect um, and then process the baobab. Um, and now we're working with um, 20 communities there's 600 women 
um, in in those uh, in cooperatives in those different communities, and then more than two hundred and fifty women who are employed in our processing centre. Um, That's great. And, so presumably, those women then have have better opportunities, perhaps, to educate their children, or perhaps uh, you, you know to, to have a little bit more freedom as a as a female in in remote Africa. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we 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 um, we went on a, a visit in April um, with some potential investors, and all our investors are impact investors um, to audit the impact in the supply chain. And um, it was it was my first time for two years to visit the communities and um, to to hear it firsthand from the women. You know, it's um, transformational is you know is an appropriate word. Mm. It's it's not the same as a kind of incremental fair trade premium um on a low price commodity you know for example um if you've got a you know small producers who are selling cocoa or 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 peanuts or whatever it may be and then they get you know a small premium that helps them but it's not trans it's not transformational Mm. um in this case because they're entirely new value chains they weren't generating any income from these products beforehand so it's an entirely new and sustainable income stream. And where these communities um, are based, as I said, is one of the driest and remotest regions. Um, they don't have any formal income. They're subsistence level communities. So they're literally living off the land. Um, and each of these women has on average six or eight dependents um, that she's looking after. Mm. Um, and this income um, has actually made the dry season, which in in the past for these communities um, has been a time of year when they're very vulnerable because mm. you can't grow anything. Um, so you may not be able to, you know, and they don't have any money. So feeding is a, you know, the number one problem that you've Absolutely, got yeah. to solve. Um, <clears throat> so this is now the dry season is their, their most lucrative time of year compared to the rainy season. Um, and uh, the the income is uh, number one. It, it it gives food security, um, and then number two, as you said, education, um, and um, and then very importantly, the empowerment of these women um, that have a, incre- uh, a a vastly increased status in their own households because mm. they're um, they're now the owners of a significant income, um, and they can choose what they're going to do with that. That's so uplifting. I do actually have goosebumps right now. And it must be such a nice signal to you that you're doing the right thing, um, that, that your hard work is, is worth it. Yeah, it's, yeah, definitely. It's, it's very inspiring um, to continue because it's not easy what we've been trying to do. Um, and, you know, it's been now five years since we launched and six years since, um, you know, we started working on the idea um and we've been kind of hammering away on you know trying to get baobab known um and it's taken a long time and there's been a lot of investment and a lot of hard work by many Mm. people Mm. um and that's really the that's the payoff really absolutely yeah um so what drove you to create a purposeful brand i'm really interested to hear the story behind you discovering the opportunity to connect these small african producers with the global health and wellness market uh yeah it's quite a it's quite a, a random thing for uh, someone in London to want to do, I suppose. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it, it goes back to um, 15 years ago when I was working in advertising. 
um, helping to create and launch brands for big multinational companies, um, generally promoting products that I didn't care about or actively disagreed with in some cases mm-hmm. for clients who generally didn't really appreciate it. Um, and you start to ask yourself, you know, why am I doing this? You know, what's is this what is this what the, is this the purpose of my life? Mm. So that led to a, a kind of intensified questioning to an existential crisis, uh, which is not uncommon um, in uh, young people in the urban capitals of the developed world. Um, and um, that led to a kind of full-on meltdown. Um, and then at the That's age very of honest, uh, <laughs> yes, well, I, uh, yeah, it was a it was a meltdown, and, and at the age of twenty four, um, I think um, I kind of quit my job and I found myself unemployed and clinically depressed. Mm. And um, I'd been in that condition for six months, um, tried everything to get out of it, and nothing made any difference. And, and until one day, I got this random phone call from a family friend, who's a farmer. Uh, in the UK and South Africa and um, um, he offered me this opportunity to volunteer my marketing skills to a project in the Gambia in West Africa um, and I'd never been to Africa before um, and I wasn't interested actually because when you're in that state you're not interested in very much mm-hmm. uh, least of all going to some godforsaken outpost in Africa with all the negative stuff you read about um, on the news mm-hmm. um, so, uh, but thankfully for me, I, I got the opportunity to go. My friends and family put me on the aeroplane. And um, a couple off. of weeks later, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I rocked up in uh, uh, what's known as the smiling coast of Africa. Wow. C- clinically depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Started your yeah. own transformation. Yes, well, I mean, the, the amazing thing is that... Um, after six months of, you know, struggling in London and thinking, you know, uh, things will never be the same again, it took just three weeks of arriving in the Gambia um, to come out of that. Um, and instead of staying for the six weeks, I ended up staying for almost four years. Um, and I was working with small-scale producers of fruits and vegetables. Um, and just during that time, got really inspired, number one, just by Africa itself and uh, West West Africa and the sheer vibrancy and vitality, um, and thought, you know, this has, you know, this is being so badly misrepresented by media. You know how, you know, this needs to be captured and shared. Um, and then number two, by the business model, because I'd, I'd never really been interested in business. Working with these big multinationals, I didn't, you know, it didn't appeal to me that, you know, helping them to make more money didn't mm. really seem like a worthwhile thing to spend my life doing. Whereas with the business I was working, which was connecting small producers of fruits and vegetables to the local tourism market, um, you know, <clears throat> from from one week to the next, you would see transformation in people's lives. Um, all it would take is, you know, one good tomato harvest and then the kids that weren't in school are, are now in school. Uh, or you come back the next week and that, that household is building another room on their, on their building so that they don't all have to sleep in the same bed. And so, um, yeah, that was really the kind of the the beginning of it and thinking how could, uh, you know, how could we scale this up? Um, and, you know, that led through a number of steps, which I won't go into, over a couple of years um, to the idea of 
um, creating this brand, um, Aduna. So it's using what I learned um, in the first part of my life, which wasn't wasted. Um, no, ne- never is, never is. No. <laughs> um, but to you know to use to use that um, to use that knowledge um, and to use the the idea of a brand to actually connect um, small producers to this um, fast-growing health food market, which is now um, you know more than a trillion-dollar global industry. So there's a there's a huge opportunity in in that, and the biggest and fastest growing segment within that trillion dollars is what's called naturally healthy, which is um, you know clean label products like superfoods, nuts, fruits, teas, mm. um, and that's that's the area um, you know that's an area that these small producers can tap into, um, and that's an area where you know there's a, a strong role for a, for a brand like ours. Yeah, and it's perfect timing, isn't it, really? You know, consumers uh, just want more and more of that. And um, I really love your, there's a real kind of motivational message in what you've just said that, you know, as humans and business leaders, we can have real lows um, and potentially sort of feel like giving up. But actually, you know, you just don't know what's around the corner and and something very meaningful can turn up. And perhaps sometimes it takes that low to kind of shift you into the next stage. the best thing that happened to me i think you know the <clears throat> what i've what i've learned is that the um the best things that have ever happened to me in my life has generally come packaged as disasters <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely yeah no i know what you mean um so um you're clearly extremely passionate and knowledgeable about what you do do you have an end goal in terms of the positive impact you want to make or do you think it will just be an ongoing quest for the rest of your life now well, we started with uh, myself and my co-founder Nick uh, with what we call the inspiring possibility of Baobab. Um, that was um, what really um, powered the uh, the idea behind the brand and the business. Although, obviously, now it's 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 about more than just Baobab. But um, uh, what I mean by by the inspiring possibility of Baobab is that um, this is a uh, a tree which is a, a drought resistant succulent so that means that during the the dry season it absorbs and stores water in the trunk and then when everything else around it is dry and arid that's when it it fruits uh, which is why they call it the tree of life um, <clears throat> and so it flourishes um, in the driest remotest harshest and hence poorest regions mm-hmm. of 32 different countries in africa um, and we estimate that in those 32 countries um, there are 10 million households who can supply this fruit from a crop that already exists and currently goes mainly to waste. Wow, um, and there is there's no such thing as a baobab plantation. So every single tree is community owned or family owned and wild harvested. Um, and National Geographic estimated if there was a global demand for baobab, that that existing crop could be worth a billion dollars to rural Africa. So um, when you ask about what's the end goal, what we started from the beginning was that's the vision, how, what would need to take place, what would need to happen for that to become reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the, those are the, that's the path that we're on. So we've, you know, we've done (laughs) the first five years of hard graft. We've, we've, we've taken Baobab from complete obscurity to being now an established 
superfood at least in the uk market and you know that's growing around the world mm, um and um you know intentionally to catalyze the industry there are lots of people now who've entered the market with baobab um we welcome that that's what we wanted to create um and now um you know we we, we managed to do our um make baobab famous campaign um which we we got a um uh, as you know, a uh, 100k prize money from um, uh, Virgin Pitch to Rich, mm. and we did a nationwide Make Bab of Famous campaign with 750 Holland Barrett stores having a, a, a window takeover, um, and created a, a huge breakthrough in awareness of Baobab, and that has led to retailers like Waitrose, M&S, brands like Innocent, Coca-Cola, and many many others now featuring baobab as a named ingredient on the front of their pack um and um you know we're we're on track basically so we need so, to get to uh snickers with added baobab um <laughs> and are those big companies that you just listed um are they sourcing it ethically um well it's it's actually quite difficult to source baobab unethically it's not okay. impossible but it's kind of difficult because to to source baobab you have to engage with communities um so there, there are definitely levels of um you know ethical sourcing um we supply one or two of them ourselves so those ones for sure they are but others who are sourcing baobab um from you know if it, we prefer if they source from us obviously but if they're not sourcing from us, um, then the chances are, well, they, they're going to be sourcing from someone who is working with um, rural communities and is sourcing from these these small producers. So um, we, we haven't seen any examples so far of, you know, a really unethical baobab company because it just doesn't, you know, you'd just be in the wrong, you'd be in the wrong industry. Mm. So most of the stakeholders in baobab industry most of the producers um are you know sub significantly motivated by the social impact and you know that's that's good because we have a you know a, t a kind of close community um who uh, you know we're working together to create a global baobab industry mm. and that's good to hear that at least most of the money kind of filters down um to the workers it's um, good to hear. Okay, um, so do you find having such a strong purpose makes a difference to customer buy-in? Yes, definitely. Um, our our mission, our purpose, our social business model are great sources of competitive advantage for us. Mm. Um, <clears throat> at the first level of um, customers, as in the buyers, the retailers themselves, it's particularly powerful um, and uh, we as, as a business um, we we use the word enrolling rather than selling so when we, we meet um, buyers or journalists or whoever it may be we set out to enroll them uh, we start by enrolling them in our mission um, because if someone's enrolled then you know enroll first start talking about prices and margins later <laughs> mm, <sure. laughs> um and if where you have enrollment then anything can be possible so um yeah so it's very powerful with retailers um 
So would you say not, then, not quite even so with retailers? Yeah. Sorry, would you say even with retailers then um, that there's still you're you're kind of still drawing on the heart a little bit? There's still a need to tap into the emotions there, whether they actually realise that's what's going on or not. Well, I think um, you know we don't even need to use the word retailers because whoever you're speaking to is likely to be a human being. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and whatever guys they're coming in, whether it's a buyer or a journalist or so, and then. You know, we we believe that in general, most human beings, if they're given the opportunity to um, make a positive impact or mm-hmm. contribution to others through their work, without compromising the quality of their work, sure. then they'll they'll take that opportunity. You know, 99% of the chance of the time. So you can't. Um, it's not it's not really pulling on the heartstrings, but it's giving people the opportunity to make a contribution, um, which if you do. As I said, most uh, we found, you know, most of the time, people would like to do that. Obviously, they're not going to take a product that they don't think is is any good, um, because their reputation's on the line. So your product's got to be good, your brand's got to be good, um, and all the rest of those things. Absolutely, but yeah. you can definitely turbocharge it by um, giving them the opportunity to make a difference. Um, and you know what we achieved with Holland the Barrett with the 750. Um, when you know store window takeover um, is a, the best example of that because there isn't another brand in the UK that's done that in the in the last few years um, and Aduna is a tiny little brand compared to um, you know some of the ones that are carried in that store mm. and it, it wasn't a question of of um, budget it was a question of the enrollment of individuals at Holland the Barrett Brilliant. Okay, it's good to hear. Um, obviously, in today's market, it's not really um, enough just to provide a product and be done with it. As you know, as you've been saying, customers demand more now. They want to put their money where their values are. What have you found to be the three things that consumers care most about? Yeah, that comes back to um, to your last question, really. That actually, when it comes to consumers, um, rather than kind of buyers or retailers. Mm. Um, the most important thing we've found, we're, we're a food business, number one is taste. Yeah, absolutely. Number two mm-hmm. is the health benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and the social impact, let's say, would be would would be a, a third in the third place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, you've got to be able to, uh, well, in fact, it's probably in fourth place because cause price would be the other in the top three. So... Uh, taste, health benefits, and price; those would be the the top three things that consumers are preoccupied with. Um, apart from a kind of a small segment of you know activist consumers, but that's not big enough to sustain it to sustain a, a business at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the the social impact really what we've found is like a, it's a winner. The first three are kind of qualifiers, mm-hmm. um, but again, you know consumers are human beings so if they had the if you had the choice between two identical products at two identical prices but mm-hmm. one of them made a social impact and the other one didn't you're going to opt for the social impact one you know 99 percent of the time mm-hmm. so it, it helps to to differentiate um uh, and it helps to win and it, it helps to engender loyalty but it's not going to be the primary reason why somebody buys it sure 
Okay, and what about from a marketing and PR point of view, um, perhaps particularly PR or media, do you find it's much easier to get your brand out there in the press because you have a purposeful story? Do people take note of you more? Is it easier to get through to people? Definitely. Um, but it, it, it comes back to the same point again about enrollment. So really, you know, because people are so busy, journalists and buyers particularly, um, you know, you really need to get in front of people face to face um so they can slow down because you know journalists only really want, really want to read it by email one line you know they don't want all the they don't want all the kind of backstory and you know in an email sometimes so really it's um you know sitting in front of face to face to people and enrolling them um and we've done a lot of that and um we've got some you know we've punched well above our weight in terms of um pr coverage and mm. um all those sorts of things because again the journalists are human beings we just have to cut through the clutter of how busy they are in that particular moment um and you know enroll them and then um they're going to be very motivated to um assuming your product is good and your packaging is good because they're journalists and they're professionals so they're not going to publish something just because they you know you're pulling on their heartstrings but you know, they might really maximise their coverage because they really like what you're doing. Mm, absolutely. Um, so I'd love to hear about your Pitch to Rich experience. Um, for those who haven't heard of this initiative, it's when entrepreneurs pitch their ideas to Sir Richard Branson to win various commercial opportunities. So, Andrew, was it nerve-wracking sitting in front of the man himself? Um, yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, I mean, the experience was, uh, was more than that. Um, it was... Uh, um <clears throat> i think this is not the case anymore but in our um in, in our year it was um a two-week open voting contest um which was completely you know um took over our entire business and our entire team um which um our, our campaign went viral and we got tweets from jonathan ross and annie lennox and Amazing. billy piper and all sorts wow. of random celebrities who um got <laughs> got involved um and it was a it was a really amazing experience and we we finished top of that kind of leadership board uh with kind of seconds to go and that's what got got us to the the pitch event um and yeah it was i think uh 90 seconds or three minutes or something like that um with not just um sir richard but the other um the other judges there joe malone and David Gandhi, mm-hmm. who uh, I'd never heard of before Pitch to Rich, but he seems to be appearing everywhere now. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, so it was uh, it was great um, to um, to have that experience, and again, set out to enrol the judges um, rather than to sell to them. And I think that that landed with half of them, and probably not the other half who were thinking um, in purely kind of commercial terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so um yeah i think we were we were a little bit disappointed that um because there were two out of three finalists in our section who were making a big social impact we were a little bit disappointed that one of one of the two um didn't get the the grand prize because we thought that would have been a very positive message um to send out but we can't complain um it was a you know it was fantastic experience and um I think Virgin have been brilliant with us. I think at the, at the beginning we were a little bit cynical as to, you know, um, 
Virgin's intentions or integrity or you know them being a kind of a, a, a big company a big corporation but mm. what we found was that the team behind that pitch to rich really were very passionate about supporting um, small businesses and uh, really passionate about the social dimension as well they've given us loads of exposure loads of opportunities um, connections um, so yeah it was a it was a great experience um, and uh, would recommend it yeah, sounds like a very good move. Well, you've certainly had a very interesting journey so far, Andrew. What What are your plans for the future? Um, me personally or Aduna? Yeah, both. <laughs> Whichever you'd like to talk about. Or, or yeah, both ideally. Well, um, yeah, I think it's, it's taken us a lot longer than expected to get to uh, where we are now, um, which is you know establishing our brand and our product in the market Um really in the health food market but um you know i've I've explained what the the mission is and what the vision is so um for that for us to continue pursuing that vision means that we now need to take our brand and our products to the mainstream um and so that's the next big (laughs) phase of aduna that Mm. will require more investment um new products um and you know obviously a lot of a lot of growth so um yeah that's that's what we've got in store for the next few years that's your next mountain to climb exactly yeah <laughs> very exciting one well thank you so much andrew it's very inspiring to hear you talk um and i think you're a real inspiration to companies of all sizes to look you know outside of just commercial gains and and to you know conducting business in a in a much more ethical way that serves the world so thank you very much and we wish you the very best of luck in the future Thank you.